Section 23 of U.S. Money versus Corporation Currency Aldrich Plan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Edwards. U.S. Money versus Corporation Currency Aldrich Plan by Alfred Owen Crozier. Chapter 20 Reorganizing the Money Supply. New system, government money secured by gold instead of unlimited optional corporate currency. On June 30, 1911, there was in circulation 930,367,929 dollars of gold certificates and 698,532,060 dollars of banknote currency. Total, 1 billion, 628 million, $899,989. This is over half of the $3,214,000,595 that comprised the entire stock of all kinds of money of the United States on that date in circulation, in the banks and in the Treasury. Yet not one dollar of those vast issues of gold certificates and banknote currency is legal tender, lawful money. It is all mere optional currency that anybody can legally refuse when it is tendered in payment of an ordinary debt. There are cases where this has worked great wrong and hardship. One reported instance may be cited to illustrate. Some Western men had discovered and developed a valuable mine to a point where there was ore enough in sight to show to a certainty that the property was sound and of great value. They needed money to build a large plant and operate the property. They went to Wall Street. After careful investigation, the New York bankers agreed to furnish the money. Instead of joining in the deal, they put their money in as a loan, secured by mortgage on the mine. It was made a short-term mortgage. It came due before the plant could be finished and operated to make the mine yield enough to pay the debt. Payment was demanded, and the mortgage for about $150,000 foreclosed. The Western men finally raised the money elsewhere, and on the last day of redemption, tendered it to the sheriff in settlement. The Eastern lawyer, representing the Wall Street people, found that considerable of the $150,000 was gold certificates and some banknote currency. These not being lawful money, he refused the tender and demanded payment in lawful money. There was then no time to go from the distant country to a bank in a large city to get the necessary gold or greenbacks, the lawful money. The Western men thus were robbed of their property, and the rich Wall Street sharpers got it, as was their aim from the beginning, for a mere fraction of its value. The legal tender joker in the law enabled them to do it legally. Few people know that bank currency is not legal tender, and not one in 10,000 understand that gold certificates, with 100% in gold deposited in the treasury, are mere warehouse receipts instead of lawful money, and are useless whenever the other party cares to refuse them. The bankers who got this joker grafted into the laws know, but the masses of the people are kept ignorant of these matters so vital to their interests and welfare. It is a shameless fraud upon the people to which the government has been made a guilty party. Very little gold or greenbacks are in the hands of the people. 
This lawful money is largely kept by the banks in their lawful money legal reserves. It has been estimated that of all the money in actual circulation among the people, only about 5% is lawful money, the other 95% being mere optional paper currency. And now the Aldrich plan would authorize a vast unlimited volume of corporate currency, not guaranteed at all by the government, to be worked off on the people by the banks in the shape of payrolls and otherwise, not one dollar of which will be legal tender lawful money, all being only optional corporate currency. It is time for the people to call a halt on all this unfair and injurious juggling of their money supply and its debt-paying qualities, done by the banks for their profit and advantage, done to discredit and handicap government currency, the people's own money, in the interest of corporate bank currency. If present public officials are faithless and will not give relief and protection to the people against the soulless rapacity and greed of the special interests, the people should make it their first business to choose new and honest public servants. There is no matter more vital to the happiness and pocket of every man, whether he carries a dinner pail or rides in his automobile. Now that the banks have raised the question and forced the issue upon the country, the people should demand and see that it is settled right. Except the coined metaled money, every dollar of outstanding currency, government, and banknote should be gradually replaced with just one kind of government currency, issued in convenient denominations. Every dollar shall be lawful money, full legal tender for all debts, public and private, redeemable in gold, secured by an adequate reserve of gold, and guaranteed, the same as bonds, by the whole faith and credit of the government of the United States. This is the only practicable course if Congress, the government, is to be fair and honest with the people. The one billion one hundred sixty-three million nine hundred one thousand one hundred eighty-three dollars and fifty-six cents of gold in possession of the Federal Treasury, June thirtieth, nineteen eleven is sufficient if this suggested monetary revision is adopted to constitute a 50% reserve of gold to secure an issue of $2,327,802,366 of legal tender government paper currency. This is more than enough to replace the $930,367,929 of gold certificates, $698,000,000, $532,060 of banknote currency, and $346,681,016 of United States notes or greenbacks, which together amount only to $1,975,581,005. The promoters of the Aldrich Plan cannot question the adequacy of a 50% gold reserve or the soundness of such a government currency, for that is all they propose to secure, a vast paper currency to be emitted by a private corporation without any government guarantee. In fact, the data supplied by the Monetary Commission attempted to show that by the experience of Europe, a gold reserve of 33.13% is ample security for an issue of currency, and the bill of the Commission now pending in Congress permits the Reserve Association to run its gold reserve down to 33 and a third percent. And this 33 and a third percent reserve 
can be all greenbacks without one dollar of actual gold. If that is safe for a corporation, surely it is for the government, with all its unlimited taxing power, splendid credit, vast resources, and power to issue bonds to buy gold without restriction or limit under the Gold Standard Act of March 14, 1900. So without buying another dollar of gold, using only what the government now possesses, 1163901183 dollars not in circulation but in the hands of the Treasury, a total legal tender government currency amounting to $3,491,703,529 would be possible without the gold reserve falling below 33.3%. This is more paper currency probably than the government will require during the next 40 years. And when it needs more, the government can get all the gold it wants as the world's gold production goes on increasing each year simply by issuing its redeemable, gold-secured, government-guaranteed, full-legal tender, lawful money circulating notes, or currency, to pay for same. And each dollar of gold so bought safely can be made the basis for two or three dollars of additional government currency. It is well always to keep in mind that one of the chief objects in forming this great bank trust, this vast money combine, is to corner and so regulate the supply of money and credit that incorporated wealth will get all and the people none of the benefit due to the providential increase in the world's gold production. If increase of gold increases the prices of property and labor, it will be offset by a general increase of interest rates when loanable funds are all under one central control with no serious competition for big loans. And, if later a falling gold production decreases the prices of all property and labor, interest rates arbitrarily can be kept high and thus automatically increase the value of all bond wealth measured in property or labor. This splendid volume of $930,367,929 of gold certificate currency and the equal amount of gold in the Treasury securing the same all cost the government practically nothing only the nominal cost of coinage. Miners and other owners of gold bullion for sale simply deposited their gold at the government's assay offices or the three mints and the gold was paid for with US gold certificates. This automatically increased the government's stock of gold, expanded the volume of the public currency, and put the gold currency into general circulation. A gold certificate is the government's promise to pay back on demand an equal amount of gold. But the miner does not want his gold back. He wanted to market his gold production, and he has more to sell each year. He never will ask for a return of the gold. All he wanted was his pay in something he could use as money at par for deposit in the bank, or to pay his workmen for mining more gold. He puts the gold certificates into circulation. They are payable to bearer. They are used as money. Anybody can present them for redemption and get their face in gold coin, but usually no one wants the gold. The paper certificates are more convenient. Holders only want to know that they could get gold if they desired, or that the currency is sound and worth par. Usually it is only when actual gold is required to settle some international balance that gold certificates are presented for redemption. 
A very small proportion are presented and the actual gold demanded. The quantity of money has increased faster than population. The per capita circulation was, 1862, $10.23. 1865, $20.58. 1878, $15.32. 1890, $25.93. 1900, $26.92. 1910, $34.33. Of the United States gold production of $96,269,100 in 1911, 33756546 dollars was used in the arts and $62,512,546 for monetary purposes. As original deposits of gold made with the Treasury in 1911, for which gold certificates were given in payment, amounted to $175,383,090, it will be seen that much gold came from abroad, nearly two-thirds, the $485,604,000 excess of exports over imports explains this. Although the Act of March 3, 1863, authorized this receipt of gold and issuance of gold certificates, on July 1, 1889, there was only $154,048,552 of gold certificates outstanding, or less than last year's net increase. With this big international trade balance in our favor, hundreds of millions annually, all settled with gold, there should be no doubt of the government having ample gold to protect all the government currency needed to replace all forms of paper currency. It is an unanswerable example, this creation of $930,367,929 of government paper currency, Gold certificates secured by a 100% gold reserve, obtained practically without expense to the government, all of it except $154,048,552 since 1889. If the gold reserve basis, instead of being 100%, had been 50%, the gold paper currency, instead of being $930,367,929, would be $1,860,735,858. If the gold reserve basis had been 33.3%, gold paper currency now would be $2,791,103,787. So there can be no question as to the soundness of the proposed gold secured government currency or the sufficiency of the supply of gold to protect the same. The only remaining question is the danger of overinflation. This would not affect the soundness of the currency because that is insured by the government guarantee and the gold reserve. The banks and the monetary commission concede this, but the banks are afraid that if the government controls the issuance and volume of money, the people sometime may induce it to issue so much that the people will do more business on a cash basis and less with credit bought from banks. 
and Wall Street and its foreign clients are afraid that increase of government currency will tend to decrease the demand for gold and the value of bonds payable in gold, or, in other words, increase the price of securities, except gold bonds, property and labor as measured in gold. So Wall Street, the Rothschilds, and the banks are unwilling to trust the people and government of the United States to run their own affairs in a sane and rational manner, and propose by the Aldrich plan that the government abdicate and turn the whole thing over to the banks to be run for the benefit and profit of the banks, Wall Street, and the Rothschilds, instead of the people of the United States. They want their private corporation appointed receiver or guardian of the Republic. But the people know that there is far greater danger from excessive contraction of the currency if the banks control than there is from excessive expansion if the government of the Republic continues to exercise its constitutional functions in the manner. So the people must stay in the saddle and keep control through their government of the power to regulate the volume of the public currency, their money supply. It would be suicide to do otherwise. We should remember that inflation of bank credit has the same effect as inflation of the currency. It would be more sensible for the government to grant to a private corporation, for its profit, a monopoly of issuing and fixing the price and quantity of all postage stamps than to grant private control of the public currency. Wall Street and the banks carefully laid a trap for the people and now have walked into it themselves. To obtain a corporation currency under private control, they have openly committed themselves so that they cannot oppose a government currency of the kind herein proposed without making themselves ridiculous. This is what we have long waited for, and the people should not delay in pressing their advantage and opportunity to get an adequate and sound public currency under government control. It is only necessary to pass a simple act, making all gold certificates a full legal tender to make them as valuable to the people for paying debts as they were, by special act of 1907, made to the banks for legal reserve purposes. And as gold certificates come back to the government in payment of duties and taxes, they can be canceled and new national currency issued in their place on a 50% gold reserve basis. As this currency gradually expands, at the two-for-one ratio, banknote currency can be gradually called in and canceled, and the government bonds be paid off out of any available surplus. The transition will be easy and natural, and do no harm or injury to the legitimate interests of the banks or anyone else. The law can fix the gold reserve basis as 50%, with an emergency provision by which the volume of currency can be suddenly expanded to a 33.3% gold reserve basis, this emergency issue to be loaned to the banks only at such rates as will ensure its prompt return to the government when the emergency is passed. This would keep an extra emergency currency always available and ready, amounting to more than a billion dollars. The first two hundred million dollars, enough to move the annual crop, could be furnished during crop marketing at moderate rates, the balance at emergency rates. This plan would guard against the danger of panics far better than the Aldrich plan. It would not be giving private interests power by excessive contraction to cause panics, and it would do much to prevent panics altogether by helping to remove the causes of panics. 
Providence truly has shaped events to make it possible for the people to now free themselves from the present expensive and dangerous bank and Wall Street domination of their money supply. Every condition is right and the time is ripe. A definite plan is suggested in the next chapter. The change can be made by one simple act of Congress and with practically no expense to the government. This is because the government right now has ample gold to make the change. It will make it possible for the government ultimately to save nearly $10 million now going as profits to the banks and about $20 million interest on the public debt every year, and it will obtain from the banks a handsome annual revenue by charging the banks a fair and reasonable price for the use of government currency for their cash reserves and to put into circulation among the people. There can be no opposition to this alternative plan by any man who has faith in the soberness and soundness of the government of the Republic, unless that man is a banker or financier, seeking unjustly and improperly to use the powers and laws of government for his private profit and special advantage. On the other hand, if the Aldrich Bill becomes law, the government will be firmly obligated to pay out $1,485,024,050 just for interest on the $963,349,390 of 2% government bonds which the measure refunds for 50 years at 3%. End of chapter 20